Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is Troy Lucchetta. For the past 20 years, Troy has been the drummer for the multi-platinum rock band Tesla, who he still tours with to this day. Along with his wife, Troy has become passionately involved in the creation of a website and organization called A Song for Wellness. Their goal is to simply provide all the information and resources you would need to live healthy and fight major diseases like cancer through the power of nutrition. Most recently, Troy was poised to tour with the great Keith Emerson before his untimely death earlier this year. Troy will be one of the powerhouse drummers at the Keith Emerson Tribute Concert at the El Rey Theater in L.A. May 28th. 2016. As always, you can find us on WorkingDrummer.net, where you can find out more information about this podcast and others. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can go to iTunes and you can download or stream new episodes. When you're on iTunes, it helps us expand and grow if you leave a comment or rate the podcast. We're sponsored today by Aquarian Drumheads, makers of the Aquarian Multipurpose Super Pad, both a great feeling pad for quiet practice and responsive drum mute for low volume music making. Every drummer needs to turn down the volume sometime. The Super Pad by Aquarian Drumheads can keep the drummer playing all of the time. Check out the Super Pad and the full line of Aquarian heads and accessories at AquarianDrumheads.com. So let's get to it. Here is Troy Lucchetta. Rocking for Wellness is what we started as and we changed the name to a song for wellness at song for wellness.org a s o n g the number 4 wellness.org my wife launched the site um new years this year um previous to little backstory on rocking for wellness is uh three and a half years ago my wife's sister had gotten sick with uh, colon cancer so a friend of mine who from childhood was married to her sister, and I didn't know my wife at the time, and uh, what happened was uh, myself and a couple guys went down, the guitar player for Y&T, John Nyman, and a friend of mine, Eric Westfall, we just showed up to play a little music at, at a benefit at the church. Mm-hmm. And um, prior to Debbie getting sick with her colon cancer, my friend Rick... Um, I said to Rick, you know, when he called me and told me what was going on, I said, you know, call my sister. I said, she knows a lot about wellness, and she does this thing with pH, and there might be some information there that might that yeah. you might be interested in. Yeah. So he got a hold of my sister. He called me back. He says, man, your sister's so amazing. She's been coming over. She's been bringing us this alkaline water, yeah. and she's been teaching us about pH and alkalinity, and... and um, <clears throat> And I've been researching all this information. So his wife had chosen to go down the homeopathic natural yeah. um, road. And she, you know, she declined the radiation and the chemo. And I was watching him pull this information together and we would talk about things. And it was clear to me after her death, I should say, which was so unfortunate, yeah. that while he was trying to put the information together, um, it was he was always behind the eight ball. He didn't, he couldn't get the information fast enough. They were trying to juice and uh, and learn more about the pH and get her body in a real natural state. And what was learned from that for me, uh, and when I met my my wife uh, Linda at at the benefit. Um, we became friends, and we were collecting information and trying to just kind of research it ourselves. So it was really clear to me at that time that we needed one place to go where we could bring all this information in for people like Rick, my friend Rick Souza. Yeah, yeah. And it was real clear to me that if we had a place to go where people can get educated quickly, yeah. they could make better decisions moving forward. Okay. Not having opinion on chemo, radiation, or versus the homeopathic natural. I 
we're not doctors, you know. It's not something that we would research on a daily basis it, out of curiosity, not, it, and then when it hits you, he was. It sounds like he was starting at ground zero. Yes, he was, and while he was pulling the information in, and as we were getting it and trying to understand it myself, even yeah. though my sister had a complete grasp on it, she's been living with it for thirty years. She lost her first husband to cancer, so she got way involved, and gotcha. she's been telling me about this for years. But yeah. she's my sister; I couldn't hear her. You know, you know what I mean? You know how that is. Sometimes, you know. You heard her, but you weren't listening. Yeah, you know. Right. They said Jesus couldn't preach in his hometown, you know. And so what I'm saying is it was really apparent that we needed to do something. So my wife and I came together. My, she was just my friend at the time. And we decided that we wanted to help them and pull this information together. So... um before her passing, you know, we were working real hard to get this together, and we decided to start this Rocking for Wellness. Mm-hmm. And while we were doing this and collecting this information, and, and I got with Dwayne Surface, he does the Tesla website, and um, I got a, I contacted Dwayne. I said, Dwayne, I need some help. Could you please uh, give me a hand? And I had another friend of mine, Eric Fredericks. And I talked to Eric, and... I was just trying to get a couple of us together where we could kind of get on the same page and I could get some outside help as well moving forward. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't have the money really, quite honestly, to be funding everything and building a website and paying people and doing things. And we weren't in a position to raise money for that. So my friend Eric, God bless him, he was writing the checks to get it done, to get the website done. And uh, so Dwayne, even though he was very gracious with his time and his talent, you know, I wanted to make sure he was still getting paid for what he was doing while we were trying to figure and put this thing together. And it was my vision uh, for the website. Uh, When you go to a songforwellness.org, what you'll see is my vision. That's what it is. It's something that was very clear to me what we needed to do. Uh, and over the last three years, while we've been collecting all this information, we've done lots of fundraisers for different people for different events. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about some of those as well. But what it was for me, I always believed it's about the website. It's about the website. we got to have the information on the website so people can get to it and, and start, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's been such a challenge to, while we're collecting the information, what do you put up? Would you lose this person at this point? How much time do we have with somebody on this website? Because people get bored, and we know what that is. But people that are sick in stage four might have a little stronger interest and stay there and really research. Or family members. Or family, anybody. And at this point, we're all, it's for everybody. This is for the world, Mm -hmm. as we know it, because Mm -hmm. we have problems with the whole GMO, the pesticides, all the processed foods. We already know what the problem is. I know what the problem is. Yeah, yeah. I figured that out. It took a while, but and I didn't figure it out for a long time. I ate at every fast food junk restaurant every day, three times a day, probably. Wow. I'm telling you, pizza on the bus, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, after yeah, it's, show it's and all that stuff, right. you know, and just did it for ever, my whole life. I mean, and uh, and it wasn't until I started learning about what did I needed to change for myself uh-huh. and the issues I was having, just you know not even relating it so we have that website up now uh there's a lot of great information and we are a work in progress that's not going away um i have a 10 acres here in the nashville area Mm -hmm. i'm building a little amphitheater i'll say that lightly um (laughs) but it'll be a full stage you know probably 40 by 60 yeah you did the uh, air quotes. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've got enough property and I've started working on it. And I've, I've got the vision and uh, hired an architect and we're working on the plans right now. And um, I have a long-term, you know, purpose, you know. That's going to promote what you guys It's going to promote everything about who we are in terms of wellness as far as pH and alkalinity. And Mm -hmm. we're not going to capitalize, let me see, not capitalize. We're not going, that's the wrong word. We're not going to um, single out the problems. 
people are going to have to figure that out when it comes to food, the companies, who's doing what. Yeah. We're not interested in pointing fingers at everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe just providing some We want you to know what the solution is and yeah. where to get the solution. I mean, yes, it comes down to juicing, alkaline water, and fruits and vegetables, uh-huh. and eating healthy. Yeah. Because you can completely heal yourself through food, mm. which mm-hmm. is amazing. I've seen it done. I got a friend of mine who's pancreatic cancer who's still alive after five years. I, I didn't think he was going to make it. I, I really thought, this just, yeah, this is crazy. What do you mean, yeah, you're going to drink carrot juice and you're going to do, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, that, yeah, you know, that yeah, was my attitude. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I watched him drink carrot juice. I watched him do everything 100% to save his life. Yeah. He did do the chemo. He did the radiation. He had. He needed those things. Mm-hmm. He would have never survived. So right. that's why I got to be really careful with what I'm going to say. Lack of knowledge I have. Mm-hmm. I have some knowledge and some information, mm-hmm. but I never want to be. It's a hybrid, man. We got to make those decisions, and yeah, sometimes yeah. you might need the chemo, man. Yeah, you might need yeah. to jump in, and I don't know. I'm not gonna. I, I don't have an opinion on that. Sure, sure. You know, but I do know one thing: you need the fruits and the vegetables, and yeah. you need to alkaline yourself if you, you know, and, and that will help your body heal itself. Yeah, it's kind of like a renewing of the mind, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what we need. Uh, it's it's old information out, new information in, uh, and. But what's so nice is the awareness is so much larger than it was two years ago. I'm telling you, when I started this, we got busy. I'm the, I, we've come so far in the last couple of years. Awesome. I go into the grocery stores. I see what's going on. People know. Yeah. And yeah. that so that's exciting. Um, and we'll put a link me. on our website and, the, so, and all that stuff. And so Yeah, and I could talk about this stuff like, you know, for a long, long time. <laughs> and for the I, listeners out well, there, you know, we'll I know put, we want to talk about some other things. Well, but. just to kind of, just to clarify and just to make sure that people know, and, and there, there'll be a link that they can go to from mm-hmm. the website and in your description there that they can just click on it and go to. Yep. But a song for wellness, and the four is the number four, That's a song for wellness org correct org i was coming off the eric martin band okay. eric martin is the singer for mr big oh okay okay so sure. eric and i at a very young early age i was 23 years old yeah and we did our first record there's a record out there believe it or not with eric and i yeah on electro records cool and it's called Sucker for a Pretty Face. <laughs> There's two videos. Yeah. Ran on MTV back in the day early. I mean, you know, was the first video ever, was it Pat Benatar? I, I know. There's, I, I can't remember if it was either uh, Video Killed the Radio Star or, uh, yeah, or right. In the Air Tonight. Really? Okay, because I know Pat was in maybe the first top five, too. I think I so. Bet, but I, I, bet. I do. Somebody will correct me. I remember when sure. MTV came out and I thought, well, this is cool. Yeah. And uh, But I remember we ended up on there for a little bit. At the thing, things were so different. It was a new format and they're trying things. So, you know, we actually got on there and got played while they were, you know, a light rotation. But, you know, we didn't have a radio hit. The thing was, when the record came out, Sucker for a Pretty Face, we made a video for. And then there was a song called Don't Stop, and we made a video for that as well. Um, Herbie Herbert managed Journey. Mm-hmm. Eric Martin band was managed by Herbie. We were all Bay Area guys. We used to rehearse in the Journey Warehouse. So I'm 23 years old, rehearsing. And also, we rehearsed in Novato, mainly in Novato, but we had some time in the Journey Warehouse. We ended up going back and forth on occasion. And uh, so one night, I ran into Steve at the, uh, at the, uh, uh, the there was a liquor store. And... Uh, you know, I went in there to get a drink or some water or something, and, and, and you know, he came back to the studio, we hung out, and it was late, and his wife was out of town that night, and we went back to his house, and we hung out, and it was so cool, because I was, I mean, at the time, Journey was, you know, they're still Journey, they're what still year was huge, this but again? 1983? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm 23 okay. years old. We hadn't even made the first Eric Martin record yet. So, but 
And I knew, see, the first time I seen Steve Smith was with Ronnie Montrose. Oh, wow. Yeah, at the old Waldorf. Oh, my God, it was so phenomenal. Love Steve, love his playing, love everything about who he is and what he's done. Mm -hmm. Um, any rate, I was fortunate at a young age to be able to go to his house and spend a little time with him. And all I basically did is just hung out with him until uh, 8 in the morning. At his house, just the two of us. I stayed all night, and I remember driving home at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I thought, man, we just stayed up all night just doing drum stuff. You know, no drugs, no party, nothing like that. Just wow. strict on, you know, we were just hanging out, and, you know, and I just listened to him all night, and he was playing, and I was never, um, I was more interested in listening to what he had to say. So, yeah. you know, but it was cool. We just got into some nice conversations, and, and then... While we had that relationship after we made the record, I made a re we made a re we made our first record. We came back from doing the record, and this gal Max Ann Satorius, Satorius, however you pronounce her name, she signed Billy, um, the Stroke. Uh, oh, Billy Squire. Billy Squire, excuse uh -huh. me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I remember that was her big claim to fame at the time, and for for us. We went and made the record. We came back. Well, the company went through a little transition from uh, West Coast to East Coast. They shut down the L.A. offices. And so we lost her. We had no representation. Hmm. And I, I got brain dead on this producer. Um, oh, my goodness. He produced Motley and Cheap Trick. And, uh, oh, my God. He became the staff producer over there. Um, any rate, point being, oh, no, he, want he wanted Eric Martin Band to go back in and record the re-record the record with him. And we decided to decline, but we did go back and do two songs on his behalf. And Steve lent me one of his sonar kits. Oh. I took Steve's bingo kit with me oh, and wow. recorded with it. Yeah. And thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Again, um, you know, very young, inspired drummer. You know, with Steve is definitely that part sounds, of, you know, Steve's everybody's hero uh, to this day, absolutely. Um, but at any rate, um, so that was being in the area, getting a chance to make my first record. We did, you know, we went out and toured with Journey and we did, we went to Hawaii. We did like five sold out shows. Journey was sold out. We were the opening band and it could have been anybody, and, but they had five sold out shows and Herbie put us out there with them in Hawaii at the Blaisdell Center. And it was awesome. We spent a week there. And, um, you know, Steve used to sit behind me every night. Wow. Oh, man, it was amazing. And I'd be playing and I'd turn around and I'd be, and he'd just be warming up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he really enjoyed my playing. He enjoyed the record. He let me know that. It was yeah. very, very cool. Yeah. Made me feel really secured for somebody that wasn't secure. I was very insecure about my playing, sure. especially when you had him and Gad and Percaro and those guys running around. You know what I mean? So, or sitting right behind you. Or sitting right behind <laughs> you. But for Steve, you know, we had enough of a relationship. I used to look back and think, don't you have something better to do? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know? no, but I wasn't really nervous. I was comfortable in my gig. And it, the really cool thing about that, I don't know if I've ever shared this story. I don't believe that I have. So this might be cool for the podcast. Steve approached me and he said, Troy, says, I got a gig for you and i said well, what do you mean you got a gig for me i'm out here with you guys i got a new record i mm -hmm. first he goes no man he goes i really got the perfect gig for you and i'm like well what are you talking well i just got back i've been recording with brian adams and he had met the, the the ballad he did um heaven yeah yeah he did that he and he came back and he goes frankie LaRocca was the drummer and i loved frankie and uh, but I don't know what was going on there, uh, but he said, Troy, man, I really think you'd be perfect. And, uh, and I'm like, I got to be honest with you, Steve, man. I, I'm just I, I had no confidence. I didn't think he was right. I wasn't. I couldn't have delivered just because I didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, and I was secure in my gig 
that I didn't want to take a chance to go try for something else. Maybe yeah. he knew that we were going to end up splitting up. Maybe he had some inside information on what was getting ready to happen because it was shortly, not too long after that, you know, we disbanded. But that's a common scenario, though. Decisions have to be made, and it's hard to know. It's like, yeah. do you jump ship on something that you're I, involved No, with? I wouldn't. I, I right. couldn't. I, I was sure. not comfortable with my playing ability to yeah. uh, fulfill that gig. Looking back at it, I think he could have been right. I think I probably could have been mm. just fine. But my mental, you know, I wasn't mm. there mentally. Um, you know, plus I had wasn't that I couldn't play the music. It was more about where my headspace was. You're 23 years old, man. You know what I mean? That's, that's I was, yeah, I was deal. still pretty young. Right, right. But I mean, the fact that he saw me that way, that was the beautiful part of that story. That alone. That So that was the beautiful thing that happened. And, 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 and so that was the very first record I ever made. You could research it. There's videos. We did American Bandstand. Okay. Uh, you know, and so before Mr. Big and before Tesla, there was the Eric Martin band, Sucker yeah. for a Pretty Face. It's it's fun to look up and, um, it, you know, it, it's cool. And the fact that I got to do the Dick Clark thing was very cool. I got to give my dear friend Rich Redmond kudos. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, Rich and I spent a weekend together at PASIC in Austin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was great. We flew out, shared a room. So we, we were, you know, pretty much all in for the weekend and cruising around. And it was it was great. Um, <clears throat> you know, but he made it really clear to me. He says, look, man, you're doing all these cool things and nobody knows what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, he says, you really need a Facebook. Uh, so Chris Cohen, his guy, he turned me on to. Uh, Rich has turned me on to a lot of wonderful people. Thank you, Rich. Um so I got with Chris and he posted for me for probably the first year, maybe. I don't even know how long it was, but um But you had somebody post for I you. I did just, like, get, just get to going. get some stuff going yeah. and it wasn't something I was really interested in. I didn't know how I felt about it. And um I posted a couple times a week and you know then we'd fall short because I think Chris would get tired of bugging me and me not sending him stuff and me being <laughs> lame about it. And uh I even remember one time even saying to Rich, like I sent him a thing like, Man, watch, I'm gonna figure this out, I'm gonna start kicking some ass and I probably didn't do nothing. Uh and probably started posting like once a month or twice. And yeah. what I've come to find out is if you look at my Facebook, I post very rarely. Um, I post some of the more major things to me that I've had great, more, great importance. Uh, I haven't posted probably a whole lot on the Tesla thing. Um, you know, do you have people that do that for the band? I, I, well, the, the Tesla has theirs. Uh, yeah. We have it for TeslaTheBand.com, by the way, and there is a Facebook page. But I guess what I'm getting at is. I really had, um, I, I've been working a lot and doing a lot of things behind the scene. I've owned four recording studios. I've worked with a number of people. I've probably done three dozen records in the last couple of years that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a website. Um, but I decided, Rich is right. I need to. I need to find a balance. I need to find out who I am in this. Quite honestly, I've been uh, a little intimidated with some of it. Uh, I've never been comfortable in my growing up years because of my lack of education in drumming. Uh, in the sense that I didn't go to Berkeley, I didn't go to North Texas, I didn't have those things behind me. So I was getting with people and studying. And, you know, I took my a friend of mine, Steve Bellino, back in, you know, the late 70s, took me through Ted Reed, mm-hmm. which was great. So I got some, you know, a little bit of reading in right. behind right. me and right. I started looking at some books and yeah. picked up Louis Belson's book and picked up, you know, just little things where I could grab information and I could decipher through the notes and I understand right. My, right. my note rates and, you know. Uh, so as I was putting knowledge together and learning how to, play on practice pads and work with the metronome and do all these things and record because I've been recording since I was 20, well, at least 17 years old, really. I was in the studio working. So, um, and now here I am, 56 years old, you know. So, I mean, I've got a lot of experience through being in bands, making records, doing things, working with a lot of different people. Uh, it was very street approach. Um, lack do, you feel, of, do you feel like you still struggle, though, with that? 
I don't uh, think I do uh, so much today. So uh, um, I feel very inspired. Um, I, I well, I don't know if I, if I'm understanding the question correctly mm-hmm. uh, in terms of lack of knowledge. No, no, no. As far as just as far as confidence, as far as uh, um, making it. I don't. I don't feel. No, I feel pretty confident. Yeah, I feel yeah. very. I do feel because of my experience is yeah yeah over the oh, yeah, many many years sure. and all the people I've worked with yeah. that not many people know about but um because I've had such a humble approach to what I've done knowing who the guys are you know I mean from Buddy to Vinny to Steve to yeah, you know yeah. the Wackel to Garibaldi to Gad to yeah. you know all my heroes Mark Craney brother to brother Gino Vanelli that was the stuff I was into and listening to so yeah, yeah. even in the 80s I was still in the 70s but I've always known who those guys are you know right, Picaro right. I mean Jeff right. and Bonham I mean those those were my two guys John Bonham and Jeff Picaro that I thought I'm going to follow that right down the middle of that road that's who Troy Lachetta wants to be yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, if I I could have you know a little hybrid of that somewhere in my developing and find my voice yeah. um that's really uh, and i know it's it's difficult we set the bar very high we have our heroes and it's so funny that you mention somebody and you say oh man we should play this song because you're a big fan of so-and-so and i and the first thing that i want to say is oh no 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 i love that 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 player but there's a reason why it's like he it, that's just too high for, for me but just you know on a well, direct 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 but what, I'm, that, yeah. what i'm what i'm saying is is that in it kind of as a reason to promote yourself or like as we get into this era of social media mm-hmm. and i think that's what rich was trying to encourage you to say man troy you you should have your facebook page you should post things and mm-hmm. and is is does that involve twitter or instagram and there's a lot of See, those i don't know twitter i don't know instagram i don't know anything about that i've never right, done right, any right. of that stuff and so it's i just it's just interesting mm-hmm. that that uh, I think that if I didn't play music and I didn't have the podcast, I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't do any of that stuff. But not because it's. I think it, it's difficult, especially if you're taking a humble approach to what you do and you very, very much respect the history and the players that you admire. That's a nice way to put it. Thank you, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. that that you you're like, well, I, I I'm working and I'm learning all the time. I'm, I'm not, at this you age. Know, you know what I. Do? I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you yeah, off. No, yeah, sure, sure. This morning, you know how I spent my morning? I spent, I got up at 6, and I'm always up usually at 6. Wow. Oh, yeah. I go to bed <laughs> after midnight. I, I, this is me. This is what I do. Yeah. Uh, but I asked my wife this morning if she'd take my daughter to school because I had something I needed to work on. Well, I happened to be getting ready to be part of this Keith Emerson tribute that I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Um, and I know we're going to talk about Tesla, and, and mm-hmm. there's just so much. Sure. But I spent the morning working on a small little piece of music that I'll be playing and just really zeroing in, playing a waltz, you know, one and a uh, two and a uh, three uh, four bass drum, one and hi hat, and uh, t- you know, mm-hmm. just doing the waltz with my feet and practicing this marching waltzy kind of thing that's in the song. Yeah, realizing I wasn't comfortable mm-hmm. playing that. I'm like, I never play yeah, that sure. stuff. Yeah, you sure. know, it's like, but I'm getting so much out of it. And I mean, I was so excited. I got it and I videotaped myself playing it this morning. I'm like, wow, I got it. I mean, and I started on it last night and I was thinking, I don't know if I could really pull so this off. So were you off. on pads or were you on? Uh, I'm, on, I'm on my kit and pads. I got both. Okay. And I got my metronome and I, I've learned there's, it's the song's Tarkus and it's a 20 minute piece of music yeah. by uh, Keith, uh, ALP. So yeah. I'm listening to all of Carl's stuff. I'm listening to Tony Pio live in Moscow um unfortunately i can't find a lot on cozy pal uh and then i did a version with three fates with the orchestra mm-hmm. with keith uh, a couple of few years ago in germany and i have my version so and my version's a slower different version than their versions and i just taking uh what i want to do uh this time around playing this music live is to really have more information i because I, I already did my version of it on the 
on the three phase project and i and i didn't really get to do my version because i only got to play the song a couple times with a couple rehearsals and that i mean it was an incredible amount of information to put together and be a part of and yeah. the fact that i did it i to this day i can still hardly yeah, believe yeah. it but point being i'm 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 not um done i've got so much inside of me and rich is right Coming back to Rich Redmond, yeah. he is correct. I need to do these things. It's important, and I need to let people know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of reasons, the, all the drum companies that I support, yeah, yeah, they need to know. I mean, I need to get the website. So I'm in. I'm a work in progress, but I can assure you, over the next couple of years, you're going to see and hear a lot more from me. Let's. That's and hopefully this will help. Yeah, uh, the podcast. Will so anyway, well, and, on and, that note, and you're you're practicing because there's a you've been working with Keith Emerson off and on. For, for how long? Well, it's... Or you it's, were... You were it's, working, you did it's, some work what what it is, is we all know what happened. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at this point, most of us do. Uh, very sadly, uh, uh, now there's this tribute concert, May 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a flyer for the... on You know, on my Facebook. Um, so, it's, it's, it's going to be probably a two and a half hour tribute concert at the El Rey Theater in Los Angeles. And uh, the performers, I mean, speaking of, you know, the intimidation factor, I'm kind of over that. You know, been in there doing it long enough because you got Bissonette, yeah. You got Joe Travers, who's a phenomenal drummer, did uh, Zappa Plays Zappa. Okay. Uh, and then you got Vinny. Yeah. So, and matter of fact, Mark called me the other day. He's like, hey, man, Vinny called. He says he really wants to be a part of this. So I gave up a couple more songs. Absolutely be happy to give some more tracks for Vinny to be a part of it and I think Bissonette probably gave up a couple too because we're sharing in the show and Tarkus alone is 20 minutes 22 minutes it's like five songs uh, and then there's uh, then I've got um, another piece of music that's probably close to 10 music 10 minutes and then uh, and then and that's Enigma one and two um, and then there's um, um, Lucky Man Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah so we'll be done. But those those are the tracks I'll be playing. Um, but point being... Um, what you, what what day is that? You say May? May 28th in Los May Angeles. May 28th. In yeah, Los it's going to be... Evidently, I think it's going to be filmed for TV. Yeah. So everybody... Great. Yeah, it's great. You've got... Um, you know, I know Steve Picaro will be there along with Steve Lukather. Yeah. Uh, they're a part of it uh, along with um, the Brian Auger band. Um, yeah. You've got... Um, Jordan Rudis, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dream Theater keyboard? Yes, yes. He'll be playing on Tarkus with myself. I know wow, that. Cool. There's this blind gal, Rachel Flowers. Look her up. 2016 Nam. I just looked her up because Mark says, hey, she's going to be doing Enigma with us, and you got to go check this out. She's not even, I don't even know if she's 18 years old. I don't know how. She's phenomenal. Wow. It's just amazing. The music we're going to be performing and playing that night is so above us all for the most part Mm. i mean my relationship with keith and mark bonilla who i've done the mark bonilla solo records mark and i go back 20 something years and that's why i'm in this there's a history here with keith mark has been with keith for many many years and he's the producer music director and everything and i played on his records and that's how i ended up here tony pia God bless you, Tony. I love you. Uh, and I got to tell you, uh, listening to Tony um, and uh, and really, you know, going back to Carl Palmer, um, the versions that I have, it's, you know, Tony was doing a gig and he ended up joining the Doobie Brothers with Ed. Okay. So he's been with Doobies for a while now. Okay. But it was he was doing it, and he toured. But when I look at the amount of work and what we were getting ready to do here this week and all the music that I had to prepare for, yeah. I got to tell you something, man. A lot of work. A lot, a lot of work. And, and I just was finding myself in it. I had to find me and my voice through it. And I had to take a lot of Tony. Uh, I took very little Carl. If I took anything from anybody, I, if I was taking most of the information, it was probably from Tony, Greg Bissonette. He did the last studio record before myself. Okay. Um, I did the last record okay. with the orchestra. That was the last record. I see. Yeah, I see. and it's a phenomenal piece of work we did nice. it in Germany with the Philharmonic Orchestra, wow. and it's wow. just an insanely great. 
And I couldn't be more proud of myself, and I tribute and give God and Jesus all the credit, because that's, <laughs> that's awesome. who I am, and that's what I yeah, love, yeah. and that's where it came from, and I believe that wholeheartedly. And, you know, the fact that 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 I was able to be a part of it and do it, yeah, you know, yeah. because it's such an intimidating situation to be in going in with a full orchestra. And, and it's been about a month. Uh, today is, uh, what, the yeah. twenty. First or something like yeah. that. It's uh, it's the twentieth, and uh, well, Keith passed away mm-hmm. about a month ago. So um, your this episode will be out a couple weeks before that. So we have a lot of listeners in California. Oh, good you guys are out there. Um, so May twenty eighth, El Rey Theater. Tesla is uh, getting ready to kick it off. Uh, we've got, I think, 60 shows this year with Ario Speedwagon and Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. Last year, we did 70 shows with Def Leppard and Sticks. Yeah. So that was a beautiful combination. Uh, that went really great. That's happening. Um, we're starting. I leave the end of next week. And you can catch us on the road. Unfortunately, we won't be here in Nashville because we did Bridgestone last year, okay. uh, which won't take us here, I don't think, this year. I didn't see it anywhere I on see. the schedule. Uh, but, I uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much and what there is to talk about. The whole Tesla thing is 30 years, uh, our 30th year anniversary. We've got a new record coming out, Phil Collin, guitar player for um, Def Leppard. We just did a track with him. He's producing our new record. Okay. Uh, they, they're all, I mean, a lot of people love Tesla. Tesla yeah. is a great, great, classic, awesome, amazing rock and roll band that I just feel so blessed to be a part of. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know it's like, wow, with all these other things that I've been doing, you know, I don't mean for well, my band to take the back seat on this because they are, the, it's the front seat of, of right, what's going on. Right. And it's everything. It's the Ferrari. It's, it's, we figured out and we built us a beautiful car and we're enjoying driving it, you know. So, but I mean, but they, they, when they're scheduling the year, it's not a Ferrari, it's a Tesla car. What am I thinking? I <laughs> <laughs> Seems the most logical thing. Yeah, right. When you guys are uh, planning your year, uh, mm-hmm. this is where you have to focus your attention. Do you work around what Tesla does? I or do. Are they flexible with? They're different cool. Projects? You know, we're everybody has side projects, bands, and different things they do. Uh, and when I was going to put this, I mean, I called Brian and Frank and everybody and and said, hey, you know, I want to do this Emerson thing. You yeah. Know, go to yeah. Japan and they helped me with the schedule. Everybody was cool about okay. it. So we worked that out. I had to, you know, obviously Tesla is my first priority, period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we have such a beautiful relationship as, as, as a band that's, that, that's awesome. that we're all very close. We figured out how to tour and do this. There hasn't been even one ounce of alcohol. In, I, I don't know if it's 14 or 15 years. You won't find a beer backstage, no drugs, nothing. We figured it out. I'm 23 years sober. The band operates on a, a platform and a level of of um, high functioning guys that figured it out how to stay together, how to love each other through the many divorces we've had with each other through the time. You know, I mean, I yeah. don't know how many times we've gotten sick of each other and been through it. It's 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 a it's a, it's a marriage with five guys. Oh right, totally. you know, it's it's. But, I mean, was that I was going to say? Was there something? What's the trick? What's the the trick is or is, is, is that, respect. Listening, paying attention, stopping the childish behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, being respectful and hearing that other person and mm-hmm. listening what they have to say when they have something to say about you that isn't in your favor and what their problem is with you. Mm-hmm. And you listening and taking accountability for yourself and saying, wow, man, I'm going to make a change within myself because really the problem's not them, it's me. Right. So right. it's got to start with self. And when we can look in the mirror and we can change the things that that person has a problem with you in and not judge them. Yeah. You know, so it's, we learned how to do that and figured it out. And everybody has, has really done that. And I, and I know through all the bands that are out there that haven't experienced and haven't figured it out, knowing who those bands are and how lucky we are that we have figured it out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's difficult. And and it's, people describe bands as very much a marriage and it's very true. 
uh, you experience so much time together. I spend more time with the band that I'm in uh, than I do my own family. Mm-hmm. And you travel together and you go through difficult days and weeks and months together, whether it's personal or just the the, the rigors of the road, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. And it can wear on you and you can wake up with four hours of sleep and just be in a pissy mood. Mm-hmm. And when other elements are there whether it's trouble at home, I mean, it can affect so much. And yeah, I think respect, you talked about keeping the alcohol away and and being sober. Well, you know, I got sober. That was their choice. They figured that out, you know. Yeah, yeah. They decided, hey, we don't want anything out here, man. This is a job. Let's make it a job. You know, I mean, for a lot of us, it's a party. And back in the day, it used to be a party. You know, we were in it, man. I mean, we went through it. I got plenty of those stories, but we'll stay away from that. But, but um, no, but I know what you're. But I know what you're yeah. saying because it's been because you guys what you started what in 1985. Yep. Yeah. So it's been a long time, and mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. Um, I want to talk about uh, how many studio seven studio records you guys have done. Do you know? So, oh, that's a good question. Eight or nine, maybe. I don't know. Okay, let Let's me see. Move. Mechanical, great radio. Five Man Acoustical, Psychotic Supper, Bust a Nut, um, Into the Now, Forevermore, the last record we just put out. That's eight. Yeah, okay. there's eight studio albums that I know of. Um, yeah, maybe there might even be a ninth one I forgot. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Though, yeah, man. 30 years and 16 million records. There's so often uh, times that we'll go to a concert and you'll just you're waiting for that hit. You're waiting for you know a lot of people want to hear the band play the couple hits, then whatever. And you know that when that song came out, and you know whatever year, how many years ago? Because there's we, we we've all played gigs where man, do I have to play this song again? You know. And uh, I worked with Michelle Wright for a number of years, and uh, she had "Take It Like a Man" was a huge hit in like ninety early nineties. And I asked her about that. I said, "You know, you you have to play this song at your every show, even her Christmas concerts. You have to play that song." And she goes, "I enjoy playing it. That's been it. Changed my life. That song changed my life, and I, it's an honor to perform that because it's helped my career." And I wonder about that. I've never been in a band. I feel the same way, yeah. And, yeah. I, and, you, and all of Tesla feels the same way. And the bottom line is, it has changed our life's love song. Yeah. I mean... Love song was playing in my head this morning. I just have to you know, tell you that. I, <laughs> when I look at that, I look at signs, modern day cowboy, the way it is, um, no way out. I mean, we, we've got our whole... We, we've got a lot of radio behind us and yeah. a lot of years of 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 that that history and it, it hit me when we got back together after we broke up in 96 we got we broke up for about four years and then we got back together in 2000 and we did a show and we sat down and and you know and i'm listening and then what you give i'm just like man we got all these we got a quite a quite a legacy behind us did not even realizing and thinking about it but I don't get tired, and and you know, back to your. I don't get tired of it. We don't get tired mm-hmm. of it. I mean, and the cool part is, it's new for a lot of the people out there hearing it for the first time. We're seeing tells for we got all this new audience, yeah, all yeah. these young kids and people, and and people yeah. are discovering the band, and yeah. so it's you know, there might have been a time every now and then where it's like, yeah, but I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't, I I can't say that. I mean, I. I my well, head can be in and out of the game at times, you know. Of course, I, I mean, of I, I mean, sometimes I'm up there playing and I'm freaking mowing my lawn on my tractor. I'm like, dude, get off the tractor and get back in the show. Sure. <laughs> can we talk about the band breaking up and getting back together? Sure. Or what? Uh, what's we were the that? very. It was 1995, and we broke up in '96. The last year, we were a four-piece because we lost Tommy Skio, our guitar player. And uh, so we just went out as a four-piece. And, and what happened was, after touring for a year as a four-piece, Jeff was not in his best shape. And, you know, it was before we were operating from a point of a sobriety and being together. And, yeah. and, and it kind of... I was clean and sober at the time, just a few years at the time. But, uh, but the band was, you know, not 100%. And because of that and, and, and the wearing and 
the ongoing jams. I mean, we decided, you know, we were a two-guitar band. We really needed both guitars to perform. So we, we took a more of a Led Zeppelin approach, jamming songs longer and, mm-hmm. you know, and being inspired. And, you know, what was five-minute song turned into a 15-minute song. And, you know, it's coming at you live, you know, that's what would happen with that. And, you know, he had drum solos, guitar solos. And, you know, we were kind of living our fantasy, you know, jamming. Mm-hmm. because we were more of a structured band song band so at the end of it it was enough for our singer just just like man you know I'm, and he he had a we we had a point where we were playing in vegas at the hilton and uh he had no voice he was done and we played a couple songs and he couldn't even talk that day he made an effort to go out and try but we just that was it we just went backstage and talked and realized that it had ran its course and we'd been on the road for 10 years and you know, we took a break. It wasn't ugly or anything. It was just mm-hmm. like, eh, it's time, man. So, you yeah. know, I came home and I was, it was, uh, my son was just going into high school and I had, um, you know, these are all the little things that you might find interesting because here's Tesla's breaking up. We're not going to get back together until 2000. I didn't know that was going to happen. Of course. But, in that breakup, I decided I was going to... Well, I, it led to me staying home and taking off for four years, which my son went into high school, so I made a choice to do that. Um, but the cool thing was, while I was home, I got a phone call to go audition for John Mellencamp. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool story. So, um, I did. I went, jumped on a plane, stopped in Los Angeles. We picked up Pat Torpy and Myron Grumbacher. They jumped on the plane. I didn't know that was going to happen. So <laughs> we all took the same limousine over to the rehearsal spot for John, and we got in the day early, and the next day they had already had eight guys on the hour, you know, and we were part of the second group, uh, starting at noon, one, two, three, four, five, six. They had another eight guys, 16 drummers. Oh and I couldn't tell you who was all there. Um, but I do know that I was the first guy the first day, and then Pat, then Myron. Uh, and, you know, after – so that was quite an experience, you know, prepping for that and going for that and being a part of something that I had never done an audition like that before. How much time did you have? Cattle call. That? I had enough time. Yeah. Uh, and, the man, you know, everybody picks three or four songs. And uh, it was cool. You know, the unfortunate part about my part of when I started, we got there and John was doing a phone interview. And um, so the band came in and said, look, we got to start without John. It's just two guitar players, and mm-hmm. bass player and myself, three of us. So we, we did it. And I, I also I can tell you is I played it exactly like Kenny played it because that's all I knew to do. So yeah. that was my approach. And yeah. um, what I haven't shared at a public level uh, because I didn't know if it was okay or if I should, but I guess it's so many years later now I probably could share it. And I talked to Kenny about it, so I think we're in a pretty good spot with okay. it now. <laughs> but I really did a stupid thing. Um, what happened was the band actually considered me and sat me down and talked to me oh, wow. about joining John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah. And they wanted me to meet John. And this was prior to, by the way, before they seen Pat or before they seen Myron. Yeah. So I just want to preface that. But at that time, they said to me that I was the first guy to come in and really nail the gig. Wow. And really wanted me to stay and hang out which was would have been really weird and i was there with pat and myron i'm like man i know they don't know this i've never shared it so they don't know about this but the truth of the matter is is i was uncomfortable i wasn't going to stay there and and i even realized after the audition it wasn't for me Mm. i could tell because they were looking for someone to join the band Mm. they told me john i go what you had just gotten off the road tesla we were just broken up for a couple months and i got a phone call just a couple months at that point and then and and i got called and they paid all expenses flew me out there yeah it was crazy and they did i imagine they did that with everybody but um anyway so i was flattered first of all just to be part of that Uh, secondly uh go in play the gig then they sit me down and i'm like wow man uh, and they said they weren't touring. They weren't a touring band. And I was confused. And they said, well, you know, John Cougar's not touring. He had a heart attack. But they were looking for someone to join the band. And I thought it was really, really weird and strange. So uh, I said, you know what? Um, 
first of all, I thought it was, I live in California. I've got a family. I don't know if any of this makes any sense at all. Um, but you got other drummers. See how the rest of the day goes. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of declined on just hanging out mm-hmm. <laughs> with them. They wanted me to stay and hang out. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was weird. Uh, yeah. And it would have been weird. But I thought it was cool that I was looked at. Yeah. And yeah. it was very flattering. So, at any rate, we get done with this thing. I call Kenny. Kenny, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, yeah. Hey, how's California? Uh, I'm in Bloomington, dude. You're in Bloomington? What are you doing here? Oh, shit. Um, well, I'm auditioning for John Cougar Mellencamp. You, you don't know that this is going down? What do you mean you're auditioning for John Cougar Mellencamp? What? I go, yeah, I'm here. Pat Torpy's here. Frickin' Myron Grumbrocker's here. We're all here, man. We're auditioning. What? He comes down. He's got his son. He comes down to the hotel. And he gives us the whole rap. Shares everything with us. And, and uh, I felt like a complete idiot. And I didn't even realize that was the phone call that let him know that he wasn't going to be in John Mellencamp because what happened was John called him and wanted him to go do this thing for Walmart. And Kenny, this is your story. You telling me. So when you hear this, if you ever do, uh, this is what you said. Yeah, man, John wanted me to come out and do this thing uh, for Walmart. And uh, I'm out here with Bob Seger and I can't just drop Bob Seger to go do this thing for, for John. So John tells me, fine, I'll find someone else. That was so finding someone else for him probably meant finding someone else for the gig. And here he's been, you know, so Kenny and I, two years later at NAM, Simon Phillips and all of us at a Tama thing, hanging out, having dinner. I said to Kenny, I said, Kenny, is that how you found out? Oh, and he goes, Yeah. And I just said, man, I am so sorry. I had no freaking clue. I thought it was public knowledge at the time. If they were auditioning drummers, then. Why would I, all those drummers being showing up and he didn't and, know about and, it? And I, so know for me, so yeah. yeah, it just seemed like. So at any rate, um, that's that's a little insight on that story. Yeah, yeah. And I hope to sit down with Kenny again someday and visit more about that. But it was the best thing, like he said, that ever happened to him. Look what happened to Kenny Aronoff after that. Yeah. Hey, Kenny's the guy. We love you, Kenny, man. We all aspire yeah, to be yeah. you, man. Another freaking, you know, his power workout, by the way, Kenny, changed a lot of things for me, too, taking those 13-hand patterns. And, you know, I'm, you know, it, all these little things I've had time to spend to get to know different players and right, do things. Right, and, right, right, right. You know, and, and that's been my education through music has been playing. Right, music. Well, that's one of the questions you know, I was gonna I was gonna get to is like, mm-hmm. how do you continue to grow? I mean, it, it's got to be. I, I think there are situations that people are they're in a successful band, they have a career that's been around a few things, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like. I'll tell you what happened. Ninety six, Tesla breaks up. I call Steve Smith. Steve Smith says, uh, "Troy, I'm too busy because I want to study with Steve." And he says, "I want you to call Rob Hart. He's a graduate from, uh, uh, you know." Berkeley School of Music. He's a great drummer, great teacher. I call Rob Hart. Tesla just broke up. The next week, I'm in lessons for the next year. I took classical piano for a year. Did you? Started, were you doing gigs, sessions? Yeah, I was doing gigs and sessions and some okay. records and different things. I kept that going, but okay. I made a decision that that Satriani. Oh, then I got two weeks later Satriani. I got a call to go out with Satriani. Jeez. True story, and, and be the double drummer to Jeff, which I didn't know at the time, and I that was a. A two-man audition. I came... Jonathan Mover recommended me. Quick story. And Jonathan and I just talked about it recently. Um, but he recommended me for the gig. Um, Mick Brigden, who manages Joe to this day, called me and said, Hey, come on down. I said, No, I did a cattle call. I'm not interested. That was two weeks after the Melancholy. Oh, my thing. gosh. And I was in the studio with... Um, um, Mariah Guitars... Mariah Carey's guitar player... Um, shoot something black uh and the bass player chris uh, roly sally from chris isaac and we were in the producer with bob johnston who did um high uh highway 61 is that the record bob dylan anyway okay yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, he yeah. was he used to be out here in nashville and he is where i think he came from at the time but at any rate i was doing a session i was doing this thing and i and it was really cool because it was like wow man just came out this test thing i'm getting phone calls i'm yeah, and i yeah. started teaching i had 25 students wow. i mean i was i was taking lessons i was this is how i did it yeah i came home man when i got off tesla by i came in tesla broke up that night i told you about yeah the next day i already had by noon i 
got off at 10.30 in the morning and flew into Oakland. I already had an appointment, secured a building by 12 noon, started my teaching practice, started studying with uh, every week. I took a year of lessons with Rob Hart. I showed up for my lessons. I took a year of classical piano. I did that. I started teaching. I had 25 students, and I opened myself up to the universe. Yeah. And I said, I got to move. What, what am I doing? Yeah. And then I made a decision to stay home for four years. The Satriani thing, I said, I, I, I let that go. I wasn't interested in doing it. It was just me and another drummer. But Jeff Campitelli went back in to do the gig, okay. surfing for the alien. Jeff, I'd known Jeff for, uh, you know, through things we had done through the area because him and Joe were in. They were in the squares together, which was in Eric Martin band. We used to play shows together back before all of this stuff. Yeah. So we had a little bit of history there. But point being... It's cool because, you know, I made a decision to take four years off, and then I went back out with Eric Martin uh, in 98 to go out with him on a tour in Japan, and I took my son at 15, 16 years old, brought him with me on a three-week tour. So all of these things just keep adding up to more experience that you do. Yeah. And then, yeah, then yeah. Uh, Mark Benilla, when I did his record, that's how it led me to the Keith Emerson thing and going back with that. And then Mark was the music director for the KLOS Christmas show, uh, which David Pack was the music director. And then Mark became, and so Bissonette and Simon Phillips were house drummers for these things, four-hour show. And then I did three years of a four-hour show being that. And you got Leland Sklar playing, oh, playing yeah. bass, and you got Steve Picaro on keyboards, and you got we're the house band. So I, I that was through Mark Benilla, all these experiences. And yeah. that's, that's, I just say yes. That's how I would grow. You ask how you grow. You just say yes, and then you freaking freak out, and then you go, oh, my God, what are they calling me for? Uh, and then you figure it out, and you jump in, and hopefully you swim, you know? And right, right. I guess I've managed to swim uh, a little bit uh, well enough, and I'm still swimming. Tesla got back together. We took those four years off, and I, and I stayed home with my son. Yeah, and that was my whole goal yeah. to watch him go through high school, and I did do that. Nice. Very excited about that. And unfortunately, uh, as time would change things and moving forward, with Tesla gets back in October of 2000, we were asked to do an arena show at the Arco Arena, and um, three doors down was the and Oleander were the support bands, and I'm like, it was there. We hadn't been together, and I, I thought. You guys are crazy. You're going to have Tesla headline this. Uh, we haven't been together in four years. It was a hometown gig, and it worked. It sold out, and mm -hmm. it was an amazing show, and it kind of put us back on the map. We went out that next year basically doing theaters and sold everything out. Cool. Yeah. I was like, wow, people are interested. I didn't think anybody was interested. I didn't want to do it at the time. Yeah. I didn't. I truly, genuinely did not want to do it. Uh, wasn't interested. I just didn't think people were interested in. You know, you had the grunge came in and killed everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rock and roll, yeah. you know. So as that progressed uh, and, you know, we've managed to figure things out over the years. And, and, and now we're in a better position. Sounds like it. You know. And, and how many records have you done since you guys got back together? Well, we did, uh, we did a, a, a live record. Uh, so that would have been not a studio record, but we sure. did a live record, a live DVD back in 01, 02. Uh, and then uh, there was a Greatest Hits record that came out. And then we had Into the Now's uh, studio, Forevermore studio. Mm -hmm. And then uh, our last record, what's the freaking name of it? <laughs> I don't even know what the name <laughs> of our last record is. I don't think I wrote it down. Uh, but it's a great record, I can tell you that. It's cool. It's live in the studio, some great moments on it. Well, you know what? I do have uh, one thing I did want to ask you about that. Uh, you had a um, Tom Wagner produced this? Michael Wagner. Michael, Michael Wagner mixed it. Tom it was Wagner, produced right. actually by Tom Zutat. Okay. So Tom Zutat signed Tesla. He signed Guns N' Roses. He signed okay. Motley Crue. He signed Dokken. So he's got quite a history at Geffen Records back in the day. Okay. I want to geek out on drums just for a second. Cool, man. I saw a setup that you had maybe four or five years ago, but the Toms, you had a 10 over here. You had, uh, uh, was it maybe a 12? Uh, it was an no, 8. No, 8, and then a 10, 12... But you had 13. them. Well, that's what I got set up right now in my basement. The funny thing is that kit yeah. that you saw, the Red Sparkle yes, kit. Yes, yeah. Red. That was a Babinga, a Birch Babinga kit. Yeah. And let me tell you something. That setup is the setup I'm going to use 
as long as Vinny and Greg and Joe Travers are cool with it, I'll be talking to them this week because yeah. I got to send them a picture. I want the kit to work for everybody. We got to play one drum kit. It's going to be my drum set up there. Okay. Uh, for for the Keith tribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the setup I chose for. So why the why the time? I guess why the well the thing about it is is basically you have your basic everybody kit. You have one rack. Two floors, Nashville, sometimes one floor. But it covers the Buddy, the John Bonhams of the world. Yeah. Okay. What it doesn't cover is the Jeff Beccaro because you don't have the three troms up front. For this gig, it might have been better to have the Beccaro set up, you know, right. double pedal because it's it's the EOP thing. So there's right, right. more drums. But for Tesla, you had it set up. I did have Tesla. it set up for that. And for me, because of because uh, I was out there playing some of the shows with just a bottom kit, but you'd lose, like if we were going to do changes mm-hmm. off a of first album, which requires me to hit the 8, 10, 12, and those drops, the melodic toms, I played a little bit more melodic parts here and there. You know, the intro just to something as simple as modern day cowboy. Bum, bum, bum. You know, that's just mm-hmm. a, you know, you hit the 10, 12, 13, you know, which I was going, you know, from the 14, 16, 18, or 13, 16, 18, depending on what I had up front. So, now this allowed me to just have those options and have a few more colors. But you, it sounds like you're also creating projects. Well, yes, there's Seville Row Music, S A V I L L E R O W Music. That record just came out last year. And yep. if you look at the band without that singer, it's a three piece. Me, Mark, and the bass player, we are the band on the Three Fates Keith Emerson project who was going to tour this year with Keith. Oh, okay, okay. But we have a singer. That record is phenomenal. I, I heard love some. Seville Row. It sounds great. Love that record. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. I. Killer hi hat work on one on the Thanks, one, man. one of the tracks I heard. Go, man, go, go to so awesome. Jake JakeClayton.com. I've done his last two records. Okay. He's here in Nashville. I'm getting ready to do his new record. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Uh, the, which I'm so thankful. I, I need to um again continue to make this but do you feel like like, uh, like what what's your motivation in sharing all this? My, I mean, you know, because the work is just coming in. You're 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 busy. Why do you have to promote? Yourself? I feel I feel uh, rich is right. Yeah, sounds like a t-shirt. There you go. How do you like that, Mister Redman? Rich is right. God, I bet he'd love to see that. I might have to show up with that one. For whatever that it is that I have to give, I'm available, mm-hmm. I'm approachable, I'm reachable. Yeah. And, um, and and I'm just going to keep showing up, man. I've always said 99.9% of success is just showing up. And mm. that's one thing I will continue to say, just show up you and must, let the rest happen. Yeah. <laughs> you must be present to win. Amen. Let's uh, teslathebandcom com. Uh, Seville Row Music dot com. dot com, a song for wellness dot org dot org. Mm-hmm. The four is a number four, and uh, May twenty eighth in California, El Rey Theater El Rey. in Los Angeles. El Rey Theater, Los Angeles. The Keith Emerson tribute. He'll and be it, there. It's posted. Please look at the roster. And my understanding, it's going to be recorded, which I'm so happy about. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's going to come out on a documentary as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it's, awesome. it's such a bittersweet. It's so sad. I mean, to this day, I, uh, I just, just, it's just a drag, you know. Keith, God, you know, I mean, there you go. Yeah. You know, yeah, there, there you go. You know, a byproduct of, of uh, being so great that you feel that you can't measure up to yourself from what you did when you were young and now you're 71 years of age and we were getting ready to hit Japan and and when I was rehearsing the two and a half hour show of all the music that I had to learn to prepare to go because we were doing multiple nights uh, in one venue of six sold out shows in Tokyo that um, there was a lot of extra music and as I listened to the stuff I had to play that was one thing but listening to what Keith was doing my God, I just, I, I can't even imagine the pressure of what 
where oh, yeah, he was coming yeah, from. Yeah. And to be on the antidepressants and, and uh, unfortunately, you know, some alcohol and the equation being what it was, it's just wrong, man. It's just yeah. so sad. He never had to do anything else other than oh, I know. just enjoy. But right. somebody that lives, that, that was his whole everything in life. And not to perform yeah. at that level, it, it just oh, of course. It did him in, man. It just, right, right. It's just so sad. So, anyway, my heart and prayers go out to Keith and his family and the band and yeah. all of us involved and pray that we could just honor him in such a great way that uh, he would be proud. I mean, I hope yeah. I, I look forward to seeing it. I hope that it gets recorded and and, and we can have access to that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's sounds really nice. amazing. Um, I wanted to mention those things because I know you say you're not good at promoting yourself, but we'll, we're going to have links to all that stuff. Is there anything you can think that I've left out? Uh, any of those websites, addresses, or anything um, like that? We could, you know. Uh, I think I think there's, Troy, there's enough there. Home videos. Uh, yeah, well, let me uh, <laughs> let me uh, hopefully get my site up this year, and I'll have links to everything. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, people will be interested and yeah. continue. And you know, thank you for all the support and all the wonderful things yeah. that this industry has done for for me, people like yourself. So thank, thank you for man. having me on your thank show. Thank you, dude. Thank you, and I'm so glad I caught you while you're home, so we could do this face to face. Amen. So much better, Troy. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. man. Hey, thank, thank you. you. So there you go, everybody. There is Troy Lucchetta. He's just one of many drummers that I've had a chance to get to know through the podcast. And uh, now I hope you know a little bit more about him. Uh, I love the story of hanging out with Steve Smith back in the early 80s. Um, Pretty amazing all the extra work that Troy has gotten involved in, including the group uh, Seville Row. You should check that out. Great playing by Troy and some of the other pet projects that he's got going on here in Nashville since he's moved to town. Stay tuned next week where Zach Albetta will be the host for his podcast. Also, technical support by Mike Jackson. want to thank him for that. As always, I just want to thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast and helping us grow. Uh, Please pass the word around and um, just really appreciate uh, all your input and uh, staying in touch with us online. So hope to see you around. Bye-bye.